0: Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. Today we have a special episode. This is part two of the Western Research Forum interviews at Western University. I am your producer, Gregory Robinson, and we have hosts Roger Hudson and Yemen Chen interviewing guests. Let's head over to Yemen with your next guest.
1: All right, we are back at the Western Research Forum. I am Yemen Chen and I'm joined today here with uh, by Yasin. How are you doing Yasin? Fine, thank you. Okay, so you're currently working on a PhD in nursing, is that right? Yes. So what is it that drew you to the nursing program and to pursue a, a PhD in nursing?
2: Um, in fact, um, I was. Uh, it's my dream to, to get a PhD and work in mm-hmm. academia. Um, I start uh, uh, dreaming that after I get my bachelor degree in nursing in 2002 I get my master degree in nursing also in 2005 mm-hmm. after that I was looking for a PhD program uh, in Jordan there was no PhD program uh, for nursing mm-hmm. so I um, uh, I did my work and my study and uh, search and I found out that the best thing to do is uh, to uh, get some money at the beginning and right. uh, worked in Saudi Arabia for seven years until I get enough budget, mm-hmm. uh, apply for immigration, came to Canada, and uh, apply, work for my uh, my license until I get my license, nursing license, then I apply for a PhD program here at Western. During that waiting period, I get another master's degree in business administration from the oh, National wow. University. Okay. So then, what is it that you research here at Western? Uh, my research is about uh, nurse job satisfaction in mm-hmm. uh, rural and acute care setting. Okay. So I get the idea of this research uh, after I worked in Saudi Arabia first as a uh, in managerial position uh, as ICU uh, patient care manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after I get my master's degree in business administration, also my focus was more clear because okay. I get uh, the theory that I will use in my research, in my future research in business in, in nursing. So my uh, PhD program here, my thesis in this PhD program, is a mixing or merging or marrying between my master yes. in nursing and master in business administration. Okay. So you're looking at job satisfaction.
1: How is it that you're collecting your data? How are you pre- how do you conduct your research?
2: Okay. So. Um, my research is, uh, is quantitative in nature. Okay. So uh, I'm collecting a survey. Um, uh, I contact. Uh, of course, it's not an easy journey because uh, uh, you need to apply for ethics, and ethics mm-hmm. will take some time until they respond, and they will also there will be some amendment and changes, and until you you satisfy ethics with their requests uh then uh, I will get my sample for using the CNO okay inclusiveness of, of Ontario who will provide the names and uh, mailing address for the participants uh, after collecting uh, after emailing sorry after mailing them with a post survey, uh, two times or three times, right? Um, I will get to the responses, and based on that responses, I will analyze it using statistical technique. In fact, advanced statistical technique use stru- uh, called structure equation technique uh, modeling. Okay. Yeah, and uh, based on the finding, that's it. I that's will end up with three papers. Okay.
1: Um, do you have findings, or do you what? What do you expect to find from your study?
2: Um, uh, I start with my primary study, which is yep. now presented here at the uh, Western Research Forum, right. which is uh, um, a systematic review pr- using PRISMA guidelines. According to uh, the finding of this study, which is would be a paper, would be part of my thesis uh, uh, papers. Mm-hmm. Um, it will. Um, the finding shows that the factors that affecting nurses' job satisfaction during rural urban settings is not well studied or sta- studied yet. Right. Uh, So there is no study that make uh, such significant uh, contribution to the to the the differences between these factors. So, uh, uh, but from literature review I saw, and the comparison between the factors during this uh, uh, the systematic review, I found that. Most uh, uh, studies in rural areas focus on intrinsic factors, which is job content factors like Mm cognition, like how you like your job, advancement, or growth. While the the, uh, uh, urban setting uh, studies um, focus more on extrinsic factors like salary, money, or uh, policies, or working conditions. Uh, it's not like, th- there's different perspectives for these studies. Right. So it's very nice to find something that make a mixing or find out the differences between these uh, uh, communities in, in one single study. So the
1: previous studies were all measuring different things and you're hoping to put it all together.
2: Yes. Either okay. they're focused mainly in urban sitting or right. mainly on uh, uh, Rural sitting, but not work together. Right. So there are some studies. Yes, I cannot say there's no comp- no right, studies. Yeah, uh, but there are some studies, but uh, uh, they did not analyze the differences between between the two communities. Okay. They include both communities in one sample, but they're not under It's not ah. been analyzed before.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. So then, what do you hope uh, your contributions? What What do you hope the impact of your work will
2: be when you're done? Yes. So my finding of this study hopefully will will help in. Uh, uh, providing a um, uh, stage where unions or policy could be changed. So, mm-hmm. so for example, union can, uh, unions, especially nursing union now, uh, can uh, fight for more uh, uh, satisfying factors to, to nurses, like depending on the setting. Like, we need to focus more on, on uh, extensive factors in rural areas. well more more uh, intrinsic factors in, in uh, urban sitting. So the policy could be changed. So also it could cause an argument or uh, a discussion or dialogue between uh, unions and uh, government or uh, policy makers or uh, even uh, find a way to modify the nursing uh, career to, to, to satisfy more nurses mm-hmm. so they can stay in their job. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing your work
1: with us today, Yasin, welcome. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck in the future. Thank you very much. This is Yemen Chen at the Western Research Forum. Our next guest today is Laura Johnson, who is a PhD student in psychology. Hello, Laura.
3: Hi, Yemen. It's good. It's nice to be here.
1: Awesome. So your work is in the field of personality and measurement, is that it? That's right. Okay. And can you tell us what were you presenting on today at the Western Research Forum?
3: So today I had a poster uh, presenting some preliminary results from the first stage of my PhD dissertation.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, in general, for my dissertation, I'm interested in developing a scale that assesses pro-social personality traits. Um, in essence, qualities in individuals that make them more likely to behave in ways that benefit others, as opposed to benefiting themselves. Okay, so so,
1: so that's like being nice to people.
3: Essentially. Right. I'd say that's one component of it, Okay, um, but it's a little bit more multifaceted and more complex than that. Um, My literature review revealed three constructs that I think uh, go together to form a more pro-social trait, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of what my first stage is looking at, is whether by developing items or test items for a personality scale, can I demonstrate that the constructs of empathy, compassion, and altruism go together.
1: Okay, so those are the three uh, factors that you identified and are building into scale.
3: Yes okay and defining them has proven to be an interesting challenge all right since in my field even within um, re- em- the empathy research the compassion research definitions are inconsistent there's a lot of overlap and they haven't even really been studied together okay so some people say that something's empathy but if you right. look at the content of their scale it's actually measuring more compassion and it really depends on who you ask and it's been challenging to disentangle so how
1: would you define? these terms or or how have you defined these terms in your research
3: so in my poster and mm-hmm. for the purpose of developing my skill, uh, after re- reading tons of literature right. and going through different definitions and trying to see what's similar what's different uh, for empathy most researchers divide empathy into what's called affective or emotional empathy mm-hmm. and cognitive empathy and so affective empathy is really driven by this um, process called emotional contagion so for instance if someone's really upset you might start getting teary-eyed as well so you're starting to feel sad in the presence of someone else's strong emotion Um, the other element cognitive empathy is more of an emotion recognition Mm -hmm. Uh, sort of skill or tendency, so being able to read someone's facial expression, being able to sort of to understand what someone else is feeling and thinking in, in terms of emotions. Okay. Um, and then compassion. Yeah. That one is more challenging, because it depends on whether you approach it from a more traditional Western perspective, of being concerned for others who are suffering, mm-hmm. wanting to make people feel better, sort of comforting behavior, or whether you come at it from more of an Eastern perspective, which is a newer point of view which also incorporates in addition to those elements um, things like being mindful and emotionally present. Okay. Um, So as opposed to turning away from your friend who's being upset actually engaging with them and approaching them and having that be part of the comforting behavior. And then in terms of altruism Mm -hmm. that one is probably the most was the most challenging to define in terms of my study since for for one there's not really a lot of trait empathy discussion and there's also some depending on your field uh I know there's some philosophers who would argue that altruism does not exist in people okay uh, which is a little bit beyond the scope of uh, my work in terms of the philosophy or broader discussion but I would say that people who are altruistic feel good when they help others Mm -hmm. they believe that helping others is the right thing to do and then perhaps more obviously they report that they do behave in ways that benefit other people like volunteering their time.
1: Okay. So then what is it that drew you to this, this area of study? Why, what's your interest in pro, pro-socialism?
3: Well, perhaps uh, hilariously, I actually came to start my master's in researching sadistic uh, personality traits Okay. and I wanted to see whether people who were sadistic would emotionally react differently to other people's pain
1: All right. and then
3: doing the literature for review for that early on in my masters is when I came across um, traits beyond empathy and I came mm-hmm. across compassion and I came across discussions of altruistic behavior and pro-social behavior and I said to my supervisor hey it looks like there's this light triad of personality going on and he thought that was a great idea and then I started diving into that instead so I'm still interested in the dark side, but I want to see the light side too.
1: Okay, so you called it a light triad?
3: I mean, that's what I called it. And okay. then I also learned very recently that someone else just published a study where they called their scale the light triad scale. Uh, so I'll have to call my scale something else, which is frustrating, but it happens.
1: Light being the, the positive trait. Yes. Okay. So are you still Uh, interested or in pursuing any of the dark stuff or is that just behind you now?
3: Um, For the most part it's uh, side projects that Mm -hmm. uh, I study it in. I'm also at some point going to be administering my scale and seeing how it relates to um, existing scales of dark personality traits because if you're benevolent towards others it follows that you probably are not malevolent towards others and vice versa. So people who are cruel I would really hope that my scale doesn't show that they're compassionate individuals. Uh, and compassionate individuals shouldn't be, say, sadistic or narcissistic if my scale is functioning the way that I want it to.
1: Well, Laura, it sounds like uh, your work in the nicer things in terms of personality, in terms of how we relate to each other, is very timely in uh, this dark period in politics, global events, and so on. And uh, thank you for sharing your work with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And we wish you all the best, thanks. This is Yemen Chen back at the Western Research Forum. Our next guest is Sarai Guerrero. Hello, Sarai. Hello. So, you are working on your master's degree. You're just finishing up, is that right? Correct. And you're in physical chemistry. Yes. Okay. And what is it that you study there?
4: I am lo- I am specifically studying computational and theoretical chemistry. Okay. So that is using computation, uh, the computers mm-hmm. and computer hardware to look at problems that typically can't be answered through experiments or experimental results that need a more atomistic view for verification. Specifically, to study QS twenty one interactions and penetrations uh, of the lipid bilayer of the lipid cholesterol bilayer. Okay. So, the kind of little example I'm yep. using is, imagine you have an elephant, and you're trying to get it to do something.
1: All right.
4: Let's say, bring something up a hill. Okay. The elephant is perfectly capable of bringing, let's say, a box up a hill all by itself. Right. But if you give the elephant an elevator, it would be, yep. or escalator or whatever, it's going to be able to do the job a lot faster or a lot better. All right. So in this case, that elevator or escalator or transporter okay. or whatever yeah. would be more. Could be what are called agent a event agents or immuno agent okay. agents, such as the safraspoine QS twenty one, which my work is currently looking at. Okay. And the elephant would be vaccines or therapies. So QS21 is able to enhance the effects of s- vaccines and therapies. Mm-hmm. So in a variety of ways. Some agents are actually able to work with directly on the immune immune cells so that okay. they respond better, or they actually work on the human cell, on the membrane cells. So the vaccines are... And so the vaccines or the antibodies able to detect the... There's a variety of ways that they can work. There's, and since its discovery, back in the early 1990s, there's been a boatload of work published on QS21. Okay. It, it's an, an ocean, honestly, of articles, yeah. which has been probably the most difficult part of my thesis is just trying to... just read through all these articles. There has been experimental work looking at everything, how it functions, the structure of it, which pieces of its structure have to be there in order for it to work. It is the most well studied, most used cyphrosporin, if not molecule in general for this. It honestly would surprise me, it's just there's so much on it. are. But it's limited by its toxicity, mm-hmm. its instability, and its scarcity. QS twenty one comes from the bark of the soap bark tree.
1: Okay. So
4: the QS actually stand on the first letters of the first and second name of the scientific name for the soap bark tree. Okay. And saponin is because it's a molecule when mixed with water will foam will foam fo- will foam okay. like a soap. But because you have to cut down these trees in order to just extract it out of the bark, it's very scarce and it's on high demand. Alright. They also have to be very careful because it has, it uniquely has a fatty acid chain on it, which when in water or psycho- or physiological PHD, such as the human body, that fatty acid chain will get, will be removed and it actually becomes inactive. Okay. So we, so they are trying to actually make artificial molecules that still have the same uh, benefits of QS twenty one, but don't suffer that instability effect. They, but yet, despite having this years and decades of research behind it, they don't really know the interaction mechanisms of QS twenty one. Okay. So they don't understand the conditions under which it will interact with the bilayer or, ev- or how it's interacting with the bilayer. There's also very few articles mm-hmm. that look at the problem using molecular dynamics or MD simulations. These simulations are using classical mechanics to give an, ad- to give an atom-based view of a system so on my poster you can actually see the lipid you can actually see qs21 broken down such that you can see each atom and that is what nd allows us to do it is basically the design it is made so that we can answer questions that can't be answered with experiments all right but there's very few articles that actually look at qs21 in that light so what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to shed some light on how QS21 is interacting with the membrane, the conditions in which it does that, so that we're able to get, people are able to get better experimental designs on how to use it, when to use it, and even make better predictions on how to design molecules based off of it.
1: Okay. So, just sort of checking that I'm, I'm sort of following along, mm-hmm. um, you have this QS21 molecule, mm-hmm. it, Interacts with lipid bilayers, so like cell membranes, yes. and things like that. What is the interaction again?
4: That is, from what I've read, that is what they're having trouble understanding. So they
1: don't know it does something.
4: It they does something. Okay. They know from what I've read that it yeah. will improve the TH1 and TH2 response, immune responses. Okay. They know, but they don't. From if I remember right, they don't exactly know how. TH1 and TH2 is actually short form for a very specific type of response. I'm afraid what exactly it stands for eludes me.
1: Okay, so <laughs> some sort of immune system response. Yeah, All right. if
4: not, those are the actual cells.
1: It interacts with cells in your immune system. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Oh no, that's fine. So, um, so that's why this molecule is, is of interest, mm-hmm. right? And so you're saying that because we haven't been able to figure out how it works, you're using um, molecular dynamics like computer models Mm -hmm, to try to simulate atoms and like Mm -hmm. all the different parts of the molecule to try to understand what's actually going on. Yeah. That's right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. right. That was absolutely fascinating. Thank you for sharing your work with us. You're welcome. And uh, all the best of luck in your future research or wherever life takes you.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening. That concludes our two-part episode of our Western Research Forum interviews. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com, or you can email us there if you would like to become part of the committee and join us as hosts. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at gradcastradio. You can listen to our podcasts at gradcast.ca, Or you can find us on Spotify or Podbean or really anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find select episodes on YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Gradcast, your official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students. Your hosts were Eben Chan and Roger Hudson, and I am your producer, Gregory Robinson. Have a great night.